0: This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio.
1: Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com.
2: Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman
3: and Bob Stelton. All right, spring training is well underway. Got a few games in the books. We'll be down there before we know it, Dave, but right now they've got Brock and Salk down there keeping an eye on things and joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline is one of those two guys. Mr. Mike Salk is with us. How are you, man?
1: Gentlemen, I'm
3: in my happy place.
1: I couldn't be better.
3: What, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, what is it, in the 80s there? It's nice and sunny. We're looking at maybe some snow here tonight, so pretty similar. <laughs> but, um,
1: yeah,
0: it's... Uh, <laughs> that makes it better, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: it yeah. really does. I was really, really sad to hear that the weather was lousy there, I got to tell you. That
0: <laughs> yeah. It really hurt my soul. <laughs> I'm
3: sure. <laughs> uh, but what, what stood out to you so far? It feels like Ty France's conditioning in the way he looks, and he certainly looked quicker on the bases the other day, but that seems to be... Of all the storylines out there, the one that yeah. most people are talking about. What's what's kind of caught your eye?
1: Well, you can't not notice Ty France. Like when you see him. Now, granted, I'm sitting there with Brock all day, who's like examining everybody's body. Oh, jeez. I'm waiting for him to like take a caliper out to check the body fat percentage. Not, but not weird at I, all. No, no, not at all. He like does like a full neck crane, like a construction worker ogling <laughs> the guys as they walk by. <laughs> It's it's very embarrassing. So I'd like to come down with you guys <laughs> instead next year if possible. Um but you can't not notice Ty France. I mean he looks so much slimmer. Is he's like swimming in his shirt, but he looks good. Like he say so I'm walking next to JP Crawford and he first of all you kind of forget how big JP is, but he was like much bigger than Ty France. So, you know, yeah, you got to see the speed a little bit. He talked about the bat speed being better. And it's such a huge deal for this team, right? If Ty France had just had a Ty France year last year, think of how few of the conversations from this top season we would have had because they'd have been in the playoffs and everything would have been at least a little bit different for them. So that's an obvious one. I think the thing that kind of jumped out to me is how many new people are there. And, you know, you kind of think, oh, it's roughly the same team as last year. I think there's going to be somewhere between 12 and 14 players on the opening day roster. That weren't on the opening day roster last year. Hmm. That's a lot of turnover. That's half the team. So, who
0: are some of those guys, and and did they stand out to you?
1: Yeah, now I'm cheating a little bit because some of those guys are like Brian Wu and Bryce Miller, guys mm-hmm. who came up over the course of last year and we got to know them. Dominic Canzone's another one you'll probably notice when you come down here. He is noticeably bigger, especially in the lower half, and. He seems to be the guy that they're most excited about taking the leap. When I first got down here, I talked to Scott. Said, okay, who's, who's jumped out to you? Asked him basically the same question you just asked me. First name he mentioned was Canzone. Mm-hmm. Like he just, they're, they're high on him. Think that he can be a better player than what we saw last year. So that's great news. Um, who else stands out of the new guys? You know, we'll wait and see on Urias. He's not big. That is uh, another, He doesn't look like a third baseman. He looks like a second baseman and, you know, they're counting on him, right? He and Rojas, who really is a second baseman, are supposed to handle third. So of all the positives, and there are a lot of positives to look at, that's definitely the one where you go, Geez, that position is iffy and you can't help but connect the dots to Matt Chapman, who's just hanging out out there waiting for a deal.
3: What about some of the young guys that we, I know it's only been a couple of games so far, but seeing somebody like Bliss out there, Class A, or some of these guys, uh, do, you, do you give any of these guys a shot at, at at making the roster, or is this just, they're getting a look, they're going to start the year in the minor leagues?
1: I think that they are people that could contribute this year. I think this roster is basically locked. I mean, Sam Haggerty doesn't have a room, uh, you know, a spot on this roster as of today, and he knows that and knows that he'll contribute at some point, but. No, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. uh, Cole Young stands out. He is smooth, looks the part for sure. He's not big, but he definitely is smooth and looks the part. Cool to have him up here. Scott pointed, you mentioned class A. That was another guy Scott pointed to a player that maybe we haven't talked enough about hit 20 home runs and stole 70 bases last year in the history of the minor leagues that had never been done before since like the sixties. So yeah, I mean like they do have some fun young players, I don't know whether they're going to be there to contribute right away. And actually, you ask me about young guys, I'll answer with like one of the oldest on the team. You know who's happy is Mitch. He seems like a different dude, Mitch Hanniger. I mean, he's <laughs> always going to have that intensity. But I saw him in the clubhouse Saturday, walked over to say hello, huge smile on his face. I can only imagine he was psyched to see me, but just huge, huge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who, who, why wouldn't he be? But huge smile. He is like overjoyed to be back in this organization, which I think is pretty cool.
0: You know, Mike, I always thought that uh, that service was a great dude and a good leader and all that, but he just kind of he went up a couple of notches with uh, you know I was reading Ry- Ryan Divish's article about his visits and you know and especially Luis Castillo. I mean, that's that's quite a trip that he's making down there. And he told us last year that guy's on a bass boat the second that you know he is uh, he's. Off-season hits, but um, yeah, that was that was really cool of him. It was a great article, and it just seems like he is a, a much better leader than we even thought.
1: And I'm sure that's something you would have gotten from your head coaches in your playing days. Yeah, I was
0: uh, t- reminiscing about when Chuck Knox would come to Reno, Nevada and right. uh, hang out with me. Yeah,
1: no, that that did not happen. Hang out with you and yeah. give you all the details of what the organization was thinking long-term. Yeah, things have changed, mm-hmm. obviously, in sports since then, but Scott's taken it to a new level. Um, yeah, Divish's piece was good. We've talked to Scott a little bit about that as well. He um, He really did go out on a limb in talking to these guys, and that is not typical, but I think the dire circumstances of the way the season ended – and what was said by by Jerry and what happened with ownership afterwards at the winter meetings, he needed to. He, he needed to kind of shoot the moon in order to keep everything together. We won't know whether he is successful until they actually face some adversity. It's easy for everybody to be happy in spring training, right? But by contrast, look what's happening in Boston right now. Devers is out there just torching the ownership and the organization, I think they managed to avoid any of that by just being open, honest, transparent. Did it fully work? Yeah, we'll see. It's a really good start.
3: Yeah, I, I love that move. Absolutely love that for service because he 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 then gets in the good graces of the players despite what the front office may or may not do as the season rolls on and he's he's they're gonna go they're, they'll run through a wall for that guy when, with a move like that. I I, I think it's just just a heads up move by him but i want to i want to get back to third base real quick with you because that's been mm-hmm. we, we were talking about you know this roster looking at it feeling like if healthy it is a better roster. It is a better team than you you opened the season with last year by by a long shot. Now the the big caveat is health, certainly. But third base for me is the one problem area I look at and go, man, that's a that's a power position. And you got you got two light hitters there. I know Urias had uh, one season over twenty home runs, but Josh Rojas had had a career high of eleven. I mean, he's a slap hitter, g- gonna platoon at third base. Probably your your third baseman will probably be hitting I don't know eighth, maybe ninth. I mean, that's just. That's not ideal. How do you see him addressing that? If in fact that becomes the case, that you're not getting a ton of production there, maybe hopefully the defense will be you know
1: average. I don't I don't, I don't know what to expect. How do you
3: <laughs>
1: how do you expect yeah, them to address know. that? I, well, a I don't think the de- I think the defense right now for them is the bigger concern. I, I you know Urias has not been healthy enough to play the field. I know he DH today, but he's not been able to really throw. He's got some shoulder something going on. Uh, Rojas, I think, is a little more of a natural second baseman, and so yeah, you can always, if you decide to, if, if Urias doesn't work out, you can play Polanco at third and try to fill it in at second base with Haggerty and Rojas, and some of the things you've done in the past. Um, but it's it's a, what I hear it described as a position of vulnerability right now at third. <laughs> they brought in Brian Anderson, who's another. I mean, he's a. But the major leagues, he's had some ups and downs, minor league invite, but the fact that they brought him in so quickly, I think shows you that they have some concern. And then you just coming back to Matt Chapman. I'm not the world's biggest Matt Chapman fan. And so it's a little hard for me to say that that's the direction I would want the team to go, but he's a significant upgrade, obviously in the field and probably at the plate as well. If you can get him on a one-year deal and you don't have to sacrifice the ability to go add later, you add Matt Chapman. It's a no-brainer. If that's the only move you get and it's going to hamper you down the road, I don't know that I could do it. I think I'd probably try to start with what you got and hope for the best.
0: Hey, uh, Wu and Miller, what kind of uh, jump do you th- uh, see from those two guys? I mean, they're kind of the, the biggest question mark in the in the rotation right now. Um, what, how have those two looked, and, and who do you think is is uh, primed to have the be- better
1: year? Well, yeah, that's the great toss-up, right? I mean, they're, they're so similar in terms of the numbers last year. I watched Bryce Miller throw a bullpen today. It's so funny. Baseball and football are so different. Can you imagine 20 people hanging out on a football field watching one guy work? Because yeah. that's what happened today. Bryce Miller's throwing a bullpen. There are 20 people, maybe a handful of coaches, and 10 or 12 players just sitting around watching him, and they're analyzing it and talking together. Wu was there. Miller was throwing, uh, Kirby was there watching, a couple of the relievers were there, and they're all offering suggestions and talking together. I don't know which one of them I feel better about. I know that opposing players are a lot more afraid of Brian Wu because of that arm angle. I, I mean, I just keep coming back to Miller and kind of how he started last year, and if he can kind of get back to that point, I think he's a real weapon. But, you know, the, the bigger issue for me is what happens if and when one of these five guys goes down, and now all of a sudden we're talking Emerson Hancock, Austin Voss, you know, maybe uh, Levi Stout, who they just brought back. It's not like the last few years where you're like, okay, hey, if something happens to one person, you got Bryce Miller ready, you got Brian Wu ready, you've got Logan Gilbert ready, Kirby ready. They, they don't have that next wave of pitchers right now.
3: Speaking of Logan Gilbert, you guys had a chance to catch up with him and when when we were there last year, that was the thing that struck me more than anything is that his work ethic was unmatched. He was out there longer than anybody maybe outside of Ichiro. He was out there he was out there just by himself long after everybody wrapped up. He's got his bag of contraptions he's working with every day. I just I have such respect for a guy who's willing, they make fun of the bag and all that. I love a guy who's just trying to find the edge. How do I get better? What do I need to do to get better? Okay, I'll try this gadget. I'll try that. And he's out there. It's just, it's unbelievable. But uh, what was your your takeaway from him in terms of how he responded to Scott coming to see him, how he responded to what the team did or maybe didn't do in the offseason? What was your takeaway from that conversation?
1: First of all, I love that guy. He is my favorite person on this team to talk to. I just really enjoy him, and he's open and honest and bright and thoughtful. You're right. He works his tail off. One of the things he said today was that as he's getting older and, you know, he, got, he was arbitration eligible this past year, so he's making a little bit more money. He's one of the veterans now in that room. You know, he sort of said that he, he used to feel like, hey, why don't all these other guys do what I'm doing? Why don't they also use this bag of tricks? Why don't they also work doing this, that, and the other? And actually, Luis Castillo is the person who sort of helped him understand that everyone's a little bit different. And, you know, what works for one player may not work for another. This is what works for him. And he has he's talking about the spin rate on his fastball. And last year it was up 200 and he wants it down to. I mean, he is very, very technical in the way he views it but then he gets out on the mound and has to forget it all, right? He says he doesn't even like shaking off the cap. He just wants to throw whatever is called so that he can completely clear his head. I think he comes into camp in a great place. Probably the best thing he said was that he wants to be here long-term, mm. and I think that's a testament to what Scott did. He did mention that Scott came and how important it was to him to be transparent and talk as they did, but he wants to be here, and my understanding is the organization would like him to be here They have had some talks in the past about what that would look like. Would it surprise me if it happens at some point this year or even into next offseason? No. I I mean, I think as long as he stays healthy, he's the kind of horse that you do want to get on the right kind of deal. He may never be the ace of the staff, but he's the kind of pitcher that a really good team has in the middle of their rotation.
0: Mike, this is kind of, a, kind of a corny question, I guess. But, I mean, you've got, so many, you've got so many great leaders. If you had to pick one guy, because, you know, you, you feel like you've got leadership from a lot of different places, like JP and Julio and certainly Cal Raleigh, Luis Castillo. Who would be the one?
1: I think that that would, for me, probably be Cal. Yeah. But I think that, you know, oftentimes we're caught up in the outside view of these guys, and we don't really know who does what in the clubhouse. So I, I hate answering the question, but I think you named all the people that are a part of that leadership group. Yeah. Scott, were on the phone with you. He would say, hey, it's like a football team. You can't just have one. You've got to have a group of guys that together are able to reach different parts of the clubhouse. In different ways and that becomes especially true in baseball where not everybody speaks the same language let alone coming from the same place or playing the same position so you got to have guys that speak spanish you got to have guys that speak english you got to have hopefully somebody who's bilingual who can cross over and help with some of those things that's why scott spends so much time with these morning meetings here and you know as i said with half of your starting you know team going to be new this year they need that. They need to find a way to come together. This team doesn't have a 2024 personality yet the way it did the last couple of years. So I think that'll be key. And and Mitch will be another one, right? A guy who's been here yeah. is a link to the past, but also has that perspective. Brock and I were comparing him to K.J. Wright today, a Hall of Famer, right? He's not going to be probably the best player on this team. But now he's been somewhere else like KJ was in Vegas. He's seen what the other side looks like. He was not happy, did not have a good year in San Francisco last year. And especially with the challenges of hitting at T-Mobile, and Mitch talked about that of the interview for you guys tomorrow, we taped it today. And he's like, look, it is hard. And it's harder on the home team than it is on the visiting team. As you could have five balls in a weekend that would be home runs and instead they're nothing. And it gets in your head and you see it in your numbers. And he said he's not immune to, to being frustrated by it. But, gosh, what a helpful person to come in and, and help some of the other new guys and say, hey, look, yeah, that'll happen sometimes. Don't worry about it. Trust the process. And he's a good veteran voice, I think, in that
4: perspective.
3: Do you get the sense, Mike, that the, I don't know, hard feelings, frustration, whatever you want to call it, that, that were really present in that, that clubhouse at the end of the season uh, and we heard about during the offseason, do, do you think that's been washed away now that they're – pretty much done with with the acquisitions maybe that maybe they do bring in Chapman who we'll see but for the most part this is the team do you feel like the everybody's ready to turn the page or do you think some of that is still lingering
1: I think that signing somebody like Chapman would really put it over the top I think for now it's certainly dormant but again what happens when there's adversity? What happens when you lose four out of five, eight out of ten, and the team is scuffling a little bit, and third base isn't producing the way you would really like it to be, and what if Eugenio Suarez is off to a torrid start in Arizona? Yeah, it's going to be hard for guys that right now understand what the team has done and maybe even can appreciate some of the moves that they made. I just that that's really where Scott earns his money. This was an unbelievable start for Scott, but you know that's where he's going to earn his money. You know what will really help? if Julio comes out and is Julio, right? I mean, we've gone this whole time. We haven't even really mentioned the guy that makes it all go. He's the best player on this team by leaps and bounds, certainly as a position player. And he started off pretty poorly last year, and he had a lot of pressure on him, and he had the all-star game here, and he was learning to be a superstar for the first time and learning to close his circle, as most of the great stars do, Dave, you you played with Elway, right? Yeah. How how easy was it to get close to John Elway compared to other players around him?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, for for me and you know some of his buddies, yeah. But uh, he was he was also kind of. You know, he didn't. He didn't necessarily hang with the the linebackers and the boys. You know, he was kind of he was kind of a guy that you know he was in sort of a different space because he had his car dealerships and things like that. Right. So, yeah, I mean, Brock
1: said the same about Peyton. Yeah. Like they're yeah. they're superstars, right? They're at a different level, and I think there's so many people that want something from them that it is important for them to kind of figure out who to trust, who to listen to, have focus still on, on what it is they need to do. You know, Julio's got a little hand issue. It's sore. He's going to miss the first couple of games here. We did see him playing catch and even going into the cage, so I don't think it's that serious. Obviously, he's still doing all the work that he needs to do. Um, but it was interesting. You know who he's playing catch with today? Hmm. Ichiro. Of course. Like, Right? I mean, oh, no, by the way, Ichiro's Fifty years old, firing bullets—you know, 120 feet, no problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really unbelievable. He's got a better arm than Julio. It's crazy. <laughs> but if you're if you're Julio, who better to sit and play catch with on a you know random spring training day than another player who knows what it's like to deal with all of that attention? So, I think Julio's going to have a better year than last year. I think this is the year we get like the real Julio, a serious, significant MVP candidate because he's just too talented not to be and now seems to be in the right headspace for it.
0: Real quick, has Brock made anybody visibly um, nervous or sort of awkward with his body comments yet?
1: <sighs> he's made me uh, feel okay. terrible, that's for sure, just yeah. sort of being near it. They're you know they're playing basketball. They're doing this three-point competition, which is conveniently right behind us, uh, right at 7 a.m., right as you know, the show's really getting going, so that's nice. Brock had to be kind of restrained from going out and trying to help, which was, <laughs> <laughs> like, Brock, whatever you do, help. not participate. Yeah, they like, don't need you. Uh, They're fine without you. Uh,
3: wasn't he doing pull-ups out there last year or something? He was getting getting a little workout in, or I, I thought I heard about him stepping into the gym there. But
1: He doesn't mind trying to jump on the little pull-up bar, yeah, for sure, with, of course. The, uh, with the gym right there, and the guys are just looking at him like, yeah. Come on, man. Just, just don't do that. Just, just no. Just please
3: no. Likes to throw in a wall sit every once in a while. Just hit the legs. He likes to do that a lot. But, uh, hey, yeah. quick one before we let you go. You brought up Julio. Obviously, you brought up Uh, Urias. uh You also have Brash. You've got Santos. So these are all guys that are dealing with varying levels of injury or soreness or whatever you want to call it. You get a sense that there's any concern about anybody out there, or is this just early spring training? Let's err on the side of caution and be careful.
1: I hate to say this guys but the only guy I'm worried about and it's 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 gut feeling more than it is more than it is any sort of thing I've heard is Brash and you know they used him so much last year I mean he was like you know just that security blanket for Scott every time he knew he needed to get out in that 7th or 8th inning the fact that he's not throwing and after coming off that many innings last year that that one does make me nervous. I think Santos is going to pitch by the end of the week. You know, Urias I think will be either okay or not. And either way, I think the team will continue to survive. Um, but I am. I am, and Julio I think is going to be just fine. That one, that brash one worries me a yeah. little bit.
3: Well, let, let, let's hope there's no reason to be worried. Let's hope we're talking about it in a week. On no big deal. But uh, I hope so. Brock and Salk out there all week long. So make sure you tune in to what they've got going on. They'll talk to Mitch Hanniger tomorrow, and uh, we appreciate for you. Two what's that yep we got scott we got scott tomorrow too scott
1: at 9 a.m tomorrow
3: Oh, all right well the jeez the, there you go scott service and mitch Haniger. so you don't want to miss that we appreciate it Mike. have fun sorry right, guys there you go mike salk live from peoria we'll catch up with brock hewitt at some point this week as well once he comes out of the gym so uh looking forward to that conversation meanwhile we heard from his personal pitching coach so what are the expectations for logan gilbert and the rest of that Mariner rotation this season. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.
1: Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app.
3: So we had a chance to catch up with Logan Gilbert's uh, pitching coach, his personal pitching coach of the last decade earlier in the show. That conversation will be on the podcast page for you after the show at seattlesports.com. But Logan's a guy that, uh, you know, is is such a huge part of this rotation. I mean, it's obviously it's everybody, but he's he's just one of those guys. He's gotten to the point where you feel like every time he he takes the hill, you're feeling good about your chances of winning that night. He's for me anyway. That's how I feel. There's a certain level of comfort when he's there, when Kirby's there. Just with Wu and Miller, you're feeling good about what they can do. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see how they do against lefties this year. That was a little problematic last year, but they've they've got fantastic stuff. To me, it's not about anybody's ability at this point. It's just about durability, yeah. and it's mostly with those two guys that I worry about that. Just because they have shown that part of their of their game yet, the ability to, to, you know, really amass that many innings throughout a season. We'll see how they do it. But I think
0: it's reasonable to think that those two guys are going to take a jump this year, you know, um, you know, second year of getting out there more consistently. And, and if that's the, you know, the sort of weak part of your rotation, (laughs) uh, that that's a pretty good deal because both of them, you know, have showed that they can be that guy. They just haven't, like you said, haven't done it consistently, man i i just again we sort of overlook the uh you know the the rotation i think it's just one of those comfort things though that you're like yeah we got that in our back pocket they hopefully they have a good defensive year and what scott always says is that pitching and and defense wins championships
3: yeah and they've they've got the pitching we'll see about the defense with some yeah some areas uh, a couple question marks <laughs> a couple question marks we'll see We'll see what's doing uh, defensively out there. But it, it's, you know, Logan, just back to him for a moment. He he was on with Brock and Salk this morning, and he talked about just – and he seems like a guy that would ask a lot of questions. He's a, he's a very – I mean, whatever it takes to get better. That's That seems to be his com- his complete – He's the Bob vibe.
0: Stelton of the Mariners.
3: That's right. He's got questions. Lots of questions. <laughs> and uh, he talked about the, the help that he's
4: received from uh, Luis Castillo. When you talk about the paralysis and all that stuff, he actually – has helped me a lot there because i'll still revisit that over analysis at times throughout the year once or twice a year i'll throw a bullpen and he tells me the same thing he's like don't think don't change don't try he tells me the same thing every time and that's what he does and it works and he can see when my gears are kind of turning and he'll tell me that every time he says you think too much you try too much and don't change
0: i love that advice i mean that that could be with any sport, you know, I think especially for a pitcher, you know, you can get in your own head a little bit and for him to just say, hey, that's what we tell, you know, uh, talk about a lot with uh, with some of the younger players on the Seahawks. Like just, you can tell they're just clogged up. They're thinking too much. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why you see jogging, you know, and so for for that, to get that kind of advice, I love it. And, and the fact that Logan is aware of it, that he knows that about himself, that he can overthink things. I think is a huge step. I don't know that we heard that out of him last year, going into the season. You know, he he. Uh, I I feel like he's every year we hear something that's just better and better and better from Logan. And last year, you and I, we had a lot of times where okay, at this point, who's your ace? You know, and a couple of times it was it wasn't Kirby and it wasn't Castillo. It was Logan Gilbert. Yeah, he's
3: he's probably yeah. Castillo is is. Obviously, your guy—he's—he's he's the guy with the resume and the track record, and the, you know—services always call him the rock for a reason. You know, he's the guy. Yeah. He's got a little
0: home run problem at times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just remember—I yeah. remember we were going through last year at one point, and I think you—you you were the one who said, "Yeah, I want to say that there's some home runs given up by him." And then we looked up his numbers versus everybody else, and yeah, yeah, it's was, it was a little bit of a just problem. Untimely.
3: It's yeah. not the the total number; it's just kind of where they took place. You're like, oh. Yeah. Jeez, this was the wrong time for that to happen. But uh, just getting back to Logan, he talked about what he did to fix the left-right splits that he had going there that were a bit uneven.
4: I was digging in a little bit right in the off season. I went in like some of the numbers on the, the splits, righties, lefties, how each pitch performs, stuff like that. And that that stuff stood out really quickly. So that's kind of the easy thing to find out. But then it's, um, it's more like why and how are you going to fix it? And that's a little bit tougher because um, my fastball was down like 200 spin. I lost a little bit of the carry on it. <laughs> Um, and then I went into like the edge video, the super slow-mo of my fingers, how it's coming off the ball. There were little differences from a couple years ago, but it's really hard to recreate. So then I was kind of like at a standstill and then I talked to the coaches and then that's kind of how we landed on where we're at right now.
3: I can't imagine a more analytical mind in that rotation than his.
4: No, no, he's amazing. And every
0: year he sounds more and more sure of himself and, But, yeah, I mean, at some point you would have to kind of back it off a little bit because he's looking at so many little details. But I feel like if he is concentrating on that so much, it'll just be part of him and he won't have to actually think about it. Mm -hmm. It won't be, like, on the front of his mind. And, yeah, he just uh, every year he sounds more confident, sounds like he's got it down, and uh, I can't wait to see what he does this year.
3: Well, and he he started out that previous clip by talking about that paralysis by overanalysis. Right. And, and and he would also be the guy. As I said, I can't imagine a more analytical mind. If they if you said pick out the one guy who could suffer paralysis by over analysis, he'd be the no brainer because he is just he's absolutely into every every aspect, the minutia of every every element of pitching. Whether it's you know what we we may not consider it a big deal, but is a huge deal to him. And maybe you know that's what what uh, Castillo was trying to tell him, where Castillo is more of about a feel thing. Go out mm-hmm. there, don't think about it, go do it. You know, it's that it kind of goes against Logan Gilbert's persona. All right. oh, how can I go out there and just let it rip? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm analyzing. That's his nature. So it's it's, it's sort of fighting what, what is natural to him.
0: Well, and the, the other thing is we kind of can all see that from the outside. The fact that he knows it and is aware of it, that's Half the battle, right? So, yeah, I just, I can't imagine. Uh, this is one of the better sports stories, by the way. Kudos, uh, Lefco getting Randy Sullivan, the CEO of Florida Baseball Armory. Um, that was such a great story. I mean, not only is he just, you know, he's become a great leader, and he's a leader by example. And, you know, him being concerned at, what was he, probably 17, 18 years old, he was concerned mainly because you know he, he could he would pitch and then he'd be down for like a week mm-hmm. and but for him to say well it's not really fair to the university of <laughs> they're giving me a scholarship and if I'm not going to be available every time that my uh, that I come up in the rotation then it's not really fair to them i mean who 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 does that who thinks that i mean kids you know, I feel like all these guys with the NIL money and the, you know, millions of dollars. I mean, you have to have that kind of character. And that's that's the other thing about him. I think that, and, you know, I, I think, yeah, look, you'd, you'd maybe think that that isn't something that would be part of you know what he's thinking but i do think that you know that's uh that's something that you know he probably uh has developed over the years and i just love that he's got that initial character and then i also read the um i don't know if you saw the letter that his dad wrote Mm -hmm. to randy sullivan it was just a very he he just from very good stock you know and uh very
3: conscientious kid
0: exactly so everything about him, uh, to me, is uh, he's set up to have, uh, I think, a, a better year than he's had.
3: Which is saying a lot, because yeah. he's been very, very good. And and he was a guy that, uh, you know, initially, remember, we were hearing maybe Logan Gilbert is on the trade block. Maybe he's a guy that they're going to pedal. You know, and you're like, what are you talking about, man? Why would you possibly give up on this guy? And if you do, you better get a King's Ransom in return. Yeah. You know, and then it, then it sort of shifted to Miller and Wu as being the prime targets to go, and you know the fact that they were able to bring in some help, and again, the, the caveat is there. If they can stay healthy, I'm d- debating a, a donkey on on the the text here who thinks we're we're salesmen. We're <laughs> we're just doing the team's bidding by saying it's a better team than they were last year. This is a better team if they're healthy. It's a huge caveat. Yeah. Every, everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. They come with an injury history, but you've seen what they can do, especially in the case of Mitch Haniger when he is healthy. This guy's an all-star. This guy is an incredibly productive player. Is he going to be healthy? I don't know. We'll find out. It's It's been a rarity in his career. Polanco's dealt with injury. Mitch Garver's dealt with injury. We'll see what they can do. But I don't, I don't think it's a stretch. I don't think it's drinking Kool-Aid to say that this, this team on paper, looking at it, if healthy, top to bottom, is a better team than they rolled out at this time last year. Last year, you were looking at LaStella, Pollock, and Wong is your off-season acquisitions. Your biggest was Tay Oscar, and he unfortunately didn't, didn't live up to the billing. And even with that, none of those guys were on the roster at the end of the season except for Hernandez, and you missed the playoffs by one game,
0: mm-hmm.
3: which is a minor miracle because his offense was wildly uneven. Those guys gave you nothing. They were off the team at the end of the year. Ty France had a down year. I mean, there were a lot of things that went wrong, and somehow you were within a game. It's another minor miracle that they were able to pull off, and I'm not. It's all comes down to their pitching. That's what what kept
0: them there. Yeah. What is Donkey saying that we're drinking the Kool Aid? Is that right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Saying the only the, something about you know the only person that would tell the truth is Divish. I'm like you've never listened to this show before, or you've not paid attention because uh, <laughs> we're constantly getting ripped for being too negative about the Mariners, especially coming out of last offseason where I was couldn't have been more disappointed with their acquisitions, but whatever.
0: Well, I'd say, you know, keep reading Divish because Divish does a fantastic job. He's great. But but we've been, yeah, fairly tough on this (laughs) team and there's been reason for it. Not tough enough for his taste, but that's okay.
3: That's all right. All right, there's plenty to learn on this show as always and we'll find out exactly what we learned today coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.
1: This is a house of learned doctors. What you
0: just said... Is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What did
2: we learn today?
4: No one's a bigger idiot than me. <laughs> it is it's the easiest way
2: out. The learning never stops on this show, by God. Yeah, and there's uh, there's like chapters to this one, so we have to kind of play Uh-oh. them in order for it to make sense. Okay, a cha- we a book of learning. Yeah, a book. That's a good way to put it. So we had a uh, book of learning today, and it starts off by us learning that Matt has become addicted to the Citizen app.
5: It has made me an incredibly nosy neighbor in a way that I never have been before. But some of the alerts you get on it are absolutely fascinating. Last week in Lower Queen Anne, there was a man with a sword spotted, which I'm just fascinated by. Running around with a sword. Mm -hmm. And then earlier today, I got an (laughs) alert that there was a man stuck in a porta potty. (laughs) Ah.
3: (laughs) That poor guy Oh, So is he the one that sends that alert out Like hey help I'm in a porta potty Maybe he doesn't have anyone
5: else that can come <laughs> I'm thinking
3: if somebody were there to post it How come you're not opening the door for him
0: <laughs> He's a nosy neighbor Somebody suggested that I was the one locked in a porta potty. Yeah. One of our textures.
3: <laughs> Which brought us to the conversation about back in the day, what they were made. I don't know if that's one of the other chapters. Of oh, this. yeah. Yeah, we're getting
0: there. So All right. Multi chapter. Okay. All
3: right. Yeah. Well, then we'll just reserve comment until we read the rest of the, or hear the re- other chapters here.
2: Yeah. So, you know, we learned about the Citizen app, and then we were curious as part of this whether Wyman actually could figure out the Citizen app. <laughs>
5: Dave, I will pay you five American dollars if you can download an app to your phone in the next five minutes. Uh,
2: Any app? What if Wyman's the problem? Like on the Citizen app in your neighborhood,
0: they're all complaining about you. (laughs) They're big arrows pointing to his house. Uh, Lost my temper a couple of times. (laughs) I've been there for 20 years. (laughs) And then the power went out up there because if anybody farts on the plateau, you know, the power goes out every single time.
3: So So your power is always out there. It was out
0: yesterday, so...
3: 415 said, how did Bob's fart come back? Not land better. It was genius. LOL. You didn't hear. You said anytime somebody on the plateau farts, the power goes out. So I said, your power's out a lot, huh? (laughs) Missed that.
2: Sorry. Just went right over Dave's (laughs) head. Along those lines, 253 says, based on Matt's complaint, it was probably Wyman stuck in the toilet.
0: (laughs) Yeah kind of previewed that earlier didn't i uh
3: <laughs> toilets farts this is right in our wheelhouse yeah, this is really
0: mature good stuff some highbrow stuff from grown men or not men uh no we're not no I, we're not i really do not want to know that citizen app thing i i don't want to know
3: I downloaded it during the break.
0: You did? (laughs) Yeah, I was in there with Matt walking through it.
5: I'll be looking at it later. There's just something about knowing what's going on with the weirdos in your neighborhood that is just addicting for some reason. Hmm.
3: It's probably, I mean, it probably would have been better when your kids were at home to have that sort of access to the knowledge. So you could be like, hey, Jay Kendall, stay away from this house or stay away from that street. There's a
5: man with a sword. Watch out. There's a man
3: with a sword hanging out in a tree across the street. Don't go that way. You know, things like
0: that. Fascinated by that sword. What, is it, what does it look like? It
5: I like was too, but there was no other information. It was just like a man with a sword was seen entering a club, and then there was an alert about him leaving the club a few minutes later. Mm. And there was no other info, which made it all the more frustrating.
3: I just like that you feel like a nosy neighbor. <laughs> just by, It's not like you're peering in people's windows or anything. You're just finding out about some potential threats.
5: That's what it feels like, though. Because you know what? None of this is my business. Not a single alert on there really has anything to do with me. Not yet. But I'm yeah. I'm fascinated by it. <laughs> do you ever you know contribute? What? That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever chime in and add things? I never have. I've uh, never been okay. in a situation interesting enough to warrant it.
0: I was going to say, does it, if you are,
5: you know, have a sketchy past, does it have your name on it or is it? I don't think so, but maybe. Hmm. Maybe everyone else's citizen app warns them when I'm around. Yeah. <laughs> You might be that guy. That <laughs> does it everybody's show afraid on of? It does if you pay for it. Like you, it's like a subscription service thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm too cheap, so I don't. I just see the blurred pictures. What if, what if they
3: said Matt Nelson, blah blah blah, and it just showed a picture of the board weasel, right yeah. there?
5: <laughs> you are
0: cheap, by the way. You only offered me five dollars to download five American the app. dollars. He yeah. said, "Yeah, but five
5: American dollars." Yeah,
3: you could have so. said Canadian. I hear that you're a big tipper, though. Yeah, especially in coffee shops. Great yes. tipper,
5: great accidental tipper. <laughs> he he can't do math. That's what the problem is. It's tough. It's tough.
2: Well, what else did we learn, Lefty? Well, ahead. yeah. Okay. So the final chapter, as you guys kind of hinted at, uh, a very
0: unique porta potty story from Dave Wyman. He coaxed one of my buddies in high school to run over a porta potty one time with his dad's station wagon. Oh, really? Yeah, and this is back when they were made of wood. And so, you know, I don't know. We were out in the middle of somewhere, and I think probably enjoying some cold beverages. And, Pretty certain uh, there was
3: nobody in there at the time. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. And we were like, "Go, go!" And he like, you know, he succumbed to the peer pressure and ran his car into his a dad's porta car? potty. Yeah. A a big dude. old station wagon. And then when we got back, his dad came out and we all ran. What did it do to the car? Was Dented it? the hell out of the front oh. of it. Yeah, that was one of those station wagons that weighed like 45,000 pounds. It was made of wood as well, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, when they said, what was it made of? I thought for a second people might think that they were talking about the car. Well, they
3: used to have that wood paneling, right? of The station wagon. wagons, yeah, back no, in the, like it, the Chevy Chase one. That one did. Yeah. So I like when you, after that story somebody sent in
0: a text that said a wood porta potty. How old are you? Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, I don't want to spoil if there's another one about a phone. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was it. That was a good text. That was funny. Good stuff.
3: Yeah. Is that the last one? Uh, no, we didn't get to the phone one. We do have a few more. Remember, he was he was. Yeah. I was yeah, yeah. Doing, doing the, the rotary yeah. dial, but he called it like the dial-up or something. The dial-up <laughs>
0: phone.
2: <Yeah. laughs> uh, and we had a lot today. Uh, we can close with this one, though. We did learn that Wyman kind of runs into the problem being confused for having a similar body type with DK
0: Metcalf.
3: That big bag of toys, as he says, everybody knows I do weird stuff.
0: So <laughs> we all of him, it coming uh, from there, we got to have him bring it up to the, to the desk this year, the bring, bag, the bag. And just, you know, I'm, I'm seriously, I, I'm curious just to see what the different I am too. Things. I'm just wondering if he
3: gets tired of hearing about it. Cause it's been, it's sort of like DK talking about his physique.
0: He, remember yeah. he was
3: just kind of like, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, poor him. I know. You want to talk about how ripped I am? I'm kind of tired of it, but okay. Yeah, I, I get that all the time. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah you really, do. It can be annoying. Dave, take your shirt off. No, not again. <laughs> I can't. It's too cold. Yeah, I've always.
0: That's I've your said burden. It, at this age, I'd, I'd rather go pantsless <laughs> than topless. Yeah.
3: Nobody wins either way, man. No,
0: it's not a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those uh, those things where they ask you, "How would you want to die?"
3: Oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> you want to drown or be set on fire or something like this. It yeah. sounds like a lose lose. Yeah, it's bad. It's yeah, bad all the way around. All right, everybody, that does it for us. I want to thank our guest today, Randy Sullivan, who is the CEO of the Florida Baseball Armory. Works with Logan Gilbert has for the past decade. Some really good info on Logan and his development. So check that out. And Mike Salk joining us live from Peoria, Arizona, giving us a little update on what he's seen out there in spring training. So if you missed any of today's show, head to the podcast page at seattlesports.com, click the podcast tab, click on our picture, and it's right there waiting for you each and every night. Or you could just click subscribe and never have to think about it again. It just shows up for you, and it's like magic, and everybody walks away happy. Have a great night, everybody. We're back tomorrow with Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports on 710.